0: every minute matters when living an intentional life or running an intentional business join us for conversations with ceos entrepreneurs influencers and generation changers as we discuss living and
1: leading every minute of an intentional fulfilling life welcome to the lead time
0: podcast with your host anthony myers
1: well welcome to lead time so glad you're taking the opportunity to be with us today there are 1,440 minutes of each and every day, and I'm glad you're sharing just a few of those with us. Every time we have an opportunity to talk to individuals, we get to talk about um, cutting-edge things, leadership things, legacy things, getting a fulfilling life and what that's like. And today is another one of those days. Today we have Ken Heyman. Ken Heyman is the managing director at Alliance Bernstein over the Advisor Institute. He is in the financial industry, but a little bit different than things. Um, he spends most of his time with their, with their key leaders, consulting and training, financial advisors, their key leaders, their partners in areas of, of strategic marketing, effective communication with clients and practices and management strategies. And so he's got a different spin on how he does that. And I think um, it'll afford us an opportunity of thinking different about our business and our life. So let's tune in to our conversation with Ken Heyman this morning and what we're doing. Um, it's interesting. I started looking at when, when Gary started talking about you and what you did. I thought it was so interesting, um, particularly in the financial services industry, that that um, you know, someone with your background, your education, you know, with with, with your education in, in, in counseling and then and psychotherapy and then also in theology to be in the space of financial services. And so uh Lance Bernstein, you lead their uh, advisor institute. And it's amazing when when you think about the financial services industry over the past hundred years and what how it's transitioned and transformed uh, and and many uh, like Alliance Bernstein's are these behemoths of organizations and you wonder you know how they transitioned over time. So just briefly, how did how did you get into that space? Because that that's not what people think about when they think about a financial services um, uh, organization. How did you get into that space?
0: Absolutely. Um, The interesting thing about this progression in my professional life was so many times it was simply a a matter of being, going through life, connecting with other human beings, understanding their situation in life, trying to figure out a way that I could be helpful. And those connections leading to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. So at, at one point I was working, uh, with a large uh, federally funded museum as a management consultant, and working with financial services offices, and working with individual clients, and the uh, the opportunities simply continue to present themselves for me to work with a human, understand their situation, and in some cases, understanding their situation led to understanding the general conditions of people who work in that setting, and then the opportunities kind of presented themselves and I would respond to them. And those opportunities that seemed to resonate with the way I wanted to live, how I wanted to be working professionally, what the intellectual challenges were, continued to allow me to refine, am I doing what I want to do? Am I moving in the direction I want to direct? And the financial services industry kind of was resonant with that. They Mm -hmm. asked for more presented more challenges. And as I solved more problems, presented more opportunities. And so eventually there was a a very large organization who saw what I was doing in the various areas I was working and said, well, we would like to take advantage of that. So the progression didn't start out very intentionally uh, with, oh, I wanna be in financial services. I started out very intentionally. I, I have this set of skills how can I best use them? Where will it be most enjoyable and most uh, rewarding and most uh, sy- most uh, syntonic with the way that I wanted to live? And I've been doing this now. Started with financial services in 1991. It's now mm-hmm. 2020. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I spend my, my now my full time in doing exactly the things that I think will be most helpful for the industry and for the company that I work with. Unfortunately, fortunately, we're, our values are in alignment, so works out very very well
1: you know i love the words you say is value and you look at over the time you know society has changed where it used to be everything was a financial value everything was a bottom line industry doesn't matter what widgets you were making you get into an intellectual kind of value where it's process and information then you i think where we are now is this relational value where individuals recognize that the inherent value of the relationship is more important than everything else doesn't mean those things aren't important any longer but um you know, when I, I, I was listening to something that you had online talking about the value uh, of the client and the client's expectations. And client's expectations have changed over the years where where um, they're they more well-informed, uh, um, they're more uh, uh, forthright in their decision-making and in their um, opinions about decision-making. So I, I think they, they they recognize that their, their relationship is valued and should be valued more. I, how did that change in the industry? Because some some have not changed. Some are still very bottom line where the relationship is secondary. It appears Alliance Bernstein and what you're doing makes that relationship um, on the forefront.
0: Well, uh, Alliance Bernstein is a good example of that. The Alliance Bernstein is not just an asset manager. It also has a private client organization that serves directly serves clients. And From the beginning of that, or that, that part of the organization, which can trace its engagement with human beings back to the late 1960s, there was a sense of wanting to engage human beings at their actual point of need, yeah, and a process of trying to figure out what that is. That's obviously a moving target. Clients evolve, clients mature, clients' lives unfold, and they're. Their, their maturity in terms of relationships increases. Their vision of themselves in the world increases. There's, there's often a very positive progression. And as the an individual human progresses, then an organization that's trying to meet that human at their actual point of need has to evolve as well, which is what happened at Alliance Bernstein. So the the idea of the needs of the client being what we understand, not just what the client says they want, but what they actually need, so we're looking at the big, bigger picture, the deeper picture of that human being. In some ways, trying to understand them better than they understand themselves, which is why someone with a background in psychology would, yeah. would be, uh, be useful in that regard. I think that the larger reflection you're asking about in terms of financial services is that that look, you know, individuals evolve, families evolve, industries evolve. Cultures evolve. Uh, if you go back um, even 100 years uh, from where we're sitting right now, you can look at our culture. You, you see a culture that's dumping chemicals into the water, dumping pollutants into the air, you know, savaging the earth in terms of mining. What has happened? We've evolved dramatically. And things that we took for granted, uh, basic, you know, pollution, that we now wouldn't dream of doing that. And we understand the consequences. Well, in the same way in financial services, we started with, you know, the public discovering that it could invest and and gain a return, and that had to be metabolized by the culture, and and then we discovered that we could take greater responsibility for ourselves and and solve more problems around a larger range of issues, and now what we're we're on the cusp of in the industry is is investors, clients of major firms, understanding that they're actually authoring the second half of their life. You know, then the first half of their life, they're trying to get the basic foundations built. Uh, financially, that's part of it. Uh, structurally, you know, getting married and having kids and buying a house, that sort of thing. And then then as they intentionally evolve in their family life, they now encounter things about, okay, I want to work in a way that is uh, is syntonic with my value system. So I want to evolve my work. And and I I now have wealth and I start to feel a burden of responsibility for more than just my family. And I want to engage in the larger framework. And I'm aware that I have complexity in my wealth and I have more decisions I have to make. And so the financial services industry in a variety of places is encountering this need, this maturing need, and evolving the services that are are present to respond to that with the very the vanguard advisors actually kind of grappling with human beings at a very essential level of beyond finance beyond protections beyond getting the structure in place beyond navigating my career and making big financial decisions now even beyond that to you know what's my purpose what what am i trying to accomplish in life i have these resources of all the things I could do, what are the things that would be the most impactful, or most powerful, or most satisfying, or most enjoyable? Which then thrusts the advisor and the client into a whole different set of conversations, and it's that's the place where our consulting work is evolving most uh, dramatically now. Is you know the the basic toolset very well understood. How do you help humans author the second half of their life and, and really grapple with that? We're starting to see pockets of of insights into that and, and that becoming the uh, not just a, a conversation's had around the edges, but maybe at the yeah. core, even the core of the conversation, maybe even the starting place for a conversation between an advisor and an an individual who's taken on their life as a project, which is happening more and more and more, <laughs> more and more in the world.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. It used to be you had to be, you know, 75 years old before you got your stuff. And now individuals are gaining wealth at a much younger age, Who are, and they're living longer and living healthier longer. So now you may encounter somebody where at age 40 who has accomplished all the things. They have all the trappings of success, and now they want this thing called fulfillment. And they really don't know what that is. And I think trying to guide them through those steps is is essential uh because that's what they're looking for they may not articulate it because they found what they sometimes feel fulfillment was in the things they acquired and they found that level of success i've climbed the mountain i've gotten to the top and recognizing this is not it so on the way back down what then do i do how, how then do you um with all the advisors that that, that you have um who spend their life getting to that point of I'm an advisor at a premier um, company. And I've gone to business school, I've jumped through the right hoops, I've been to the right meetings, I've had the right interviews, I sat in the right chair, I'm here now. And now you're telling me I have to be relational. How do you transition that that mindset?
0: Well, at the beginning, at the root of that, uh, is the fact that, that that advisor has to have some emotional intelligence to begin with, that, that as they're working with clients, you know, an advisor has become successful, has certainly had to master a set of working tools and to be able to provide the fundamental value and to maintain the, the structure of the financial advice they're providing. They have to know what to advise upon. They have to have the tools of their firm to do that. But to your point, as they become more established, more successful, more rewarded for that, uh, something interesting happens in the process that they they begin encountering human beings who have accumulated wealth to your point they themselves start having more resources and even in in many cases wealth as they succeed uh, and so they themselves start encountering this question of is, is this all there is you know is that you know getting a new client uh, was you know the essential, moment of greatest excitement and satisfaction and and you know 15 years later a new client is a, is a good thing but it doesn't change their life and the questions start to occur well at the same time that their clients are asking these questions okay. is it, you know the the certainly the 30 year old who's incredibly intelligent hard working and very fortunate who creates a a lovely business and has the good fortune of it either either being very profitable or selling it may encounter the question, okay, now what? Uh, And in a lot of cases they'll go back and do the same thing again and may encounter the question again, now what? And then realize that uh, there has to be more than just another business success. The, The 50 year old starts to encounter that as well. Well, I've had my kids and I've had my career is successful and something starts to bubble up. Well, it's this encounter with that question. is that all is this all there is? or uh, the the wondering of, you know, I, I used to be so excited now I'm not. and if the if the advisor is simply having conversations, paying attention and creating a trusting holding environment for the client, the stuff that's on the client's mind bubbles up. if the advisor then, realizes that that's happening and becomes curious, they, they will start to add the skills of helping to discover that because if you encounter a human being at their emerging point of need, their, their actual emerging awareness of the fact that they are navigating this life and that this life can go now, I have lots of choice. What's the best path forward for me that will be most fulfilling, most impactful Uh, most resonant, there is a natural sense that that I want to participate in the world differently. Well, that conversation begins to show up all the time in the advisor's experience. So what happens then is more and more advisors start encountering this and seeking the tools for that. Programs like mine help them acquire those tools. But as that becomes common, then the conversations between the advisors start to happen and they start to share similar inquiries. Do all advisors have this epiphany? No. Uh, Have the firms had this epiphany? Many very senior people in the firms are aware of that. The dynamic tension between we have to be a viable company providing services for which we can bill uh, and maintain our profit margins so that we can continue to build, you know, tools and products and, and help people, with this, this balancing act of, and we're encountering human beings at a very profound point of need. And the more we can help advisors be in in alignment with that and become aware of it and speak to it well, uh, the more effective we will be. So that tension is now in the consciousness of the industry and programs like mine, uh, it, it, it confirm that because not only does my firm continue to see what I do in helping advisors, work at that deeper level with human beings. Uh, not only does my firm value it and hold it and embrace it and you know offer it to our clients, but our client firms are embracing it uh, and require it, requesting more of it. Um, I had one major warehouse firm uh ask me to do a 30-minute talk and we because of our reputation and our history working with this firm and aligning with what's happening in the world half of the sales force logged into the, the call. It was absolutely voluntary, but half of the sales force of this organization logged in to, to you know chew on the information, to consider the ideas. That's how transformation happens. As, as yeah. you are working hard in the world, encountering humans at their point of need, listening to what you're hearing, realizing that That there's uh, there's more to this conversation, and realizing that as you're able to navigate that conversation, with the more to it part, that the clients are resonating more. Yeah. And again, not all clients, not every client has this big picture. A lot of clients kind of loop back in their life. You know, I that was really fun to do that in my 30s, so I'll do it again in my 40s. I'll do it again in my 50s, and and one of the one of the great tragedies you see in some families is you see seventy-year-olds who've been incredibly successful, uh, re- returning once again to the same loop. I, you know, trying to trying to have that rush of the the business deal, and they and they're almost frantic and not understanding why isn't this fulfilling me. Uh, it, yeah. What I believe will eventually happen is the the invitation to see the world through. A different set of eyes uh, will be available to everyone. And we, in fact, we could even start talking about, hey, instead of looping back, maybe take the next step forward in your life and, and see the world slightly differently.
1: You know, it's amazing. At first, I was going to say you're like the advisor's advisor, but it's more like a Sherpa. It is truly uh, getting people up and down the mountain. And what I find is Sherpas are not enamored by the mountain. They've been up and down the mountain. It's really about affording uh, individuals the opportunity to experience this because you don't stay up there very long. The air is very thin and it's very lonely, but you come down, you have an experience. And not only is, is is Alliance Bernstein getting their clients up and down the mountain, but you're helping the the advisors get up and down the mountain so they, they become more valuable in, in what goes on.
0: Well, I, you know, I understand that metaphor and the idea of the companion, the knowledgeable companion taking you into places you've never been. The, the idea of the, the, the Sherpa or the shaman, you yeah. know, or the, the, you know, the trail boss on the wagon train. You know, there's a lot of metaphors that, yeah. that you can use to explain that. And that really is uh, a, a large part of uh, what I do is, you know, I encounter advisors at all different levels of that evolution in their thinking. And we try to provide tools for each of those sets. You know, I have one one uh, paper I wrote on the the seven essential questions that every client has of their advisor, and that's very much a deep uh, deep thinking kind of okay. Here's how to encounter humans at a more essential level. Here's what they're you know looking for from you, struggling with. But then there's more basic tool sets for you know how to conduct a client review that that meet advisors at that place. My my point in in talking about this meeting advisors at different places and, and, you know, you saw me kind of make a face when you said, when I said, you know, I get where you're going with that. You know, I do want to make one correction, not that it's not that you and I disagree. It's yeah. just the, the use of words. The, the, the journey up the mountain on earth on, in, on geographic planet yeah. earth, right. Is a journey from dense oxygen and where humans are, you know, comfortable up into elevation where humans are uncomfortable. And there is some, there's some dimension of, you know, grappling with your life more intentionally that is a little uncomfortable. Uh, We've not been there before. We need some help getting there. We need some tools that I think the whole relational value movement very much now is, is saying, okay, what are the tools that need, we need to provide to help folks with each step of this navigation. But here's the the difference that matters, is that rather than moving to a place where the air is thin and you can't stay very long, that's actually our natural habitat. Meaning at this place on the mountain where you see the world from a larger perspective, you encounter relationships at a, more, a deeper level that you're intentionally authoring your life, that you're facing challenges with a set of tools that help you overcome them, that process, which is which is rigorous and vigorous, and in, intellectually engaging, and emotionally engaging, and creative, and and risky, and sometimes trying and not succeeding, I, I could tell you uh, more many more stories of trying things and not having them work out as I thought. That I could tell you stories of trying things and having them work out better than i thought. I, when you when you do both opportunities arise but it's it's not easy. but i believe it's our natural habitat and that's the that's the interesting thing because i believe as you develop those tools and you develop your inner resources and you embrace the, what's driving from within you as, as helping you navigate what fits what doesn't fit what fits what doesn't fit Uh, where am I most engaged? You know, where, where am I no longer, uh, you know, stimulated? We're now living more in alignment with what, how we want to live. And I will tell you having, you know, I I grew up in academia um, and I've been to to many institutions of higher learning encountered great, brilliant minds uh, and less luminous uh, figures academically. These great, rigorous, vigorous, luminous characters who are, you know, exploring ideas, I watched them do that into their 70s and their 80s with incredible vitality, and their sense of contributing. My father, as I sit here with you, is 97 years of age. He was an engineer for the first 40 years of his life, fought in World War II, retired at 65 from engineering, and immediately got involved with the next phase of his life, which was starting and then running and maturing a Habitat for Humanity chapter. So he had Mm an entire second act in his life that was stimulating and rigorous and vigorous, but different and engaging people at a whole different level than he did in his his life. And then his his life since he retired from that in his late eighties has been very much exploring very important relationships to him. Uh, I think it's our natural habitat, but I think it looks different than people think.
1: I, I I agree with that. Let me ask you this: You wrote something in in April. It's it's a, the one question that would help you the most today, and then 186 days later, you wrote, "Why does March feel like so long ago?" You know, and in the midst of that, you know, life has got kind of cattywampus, and 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 people have have gone through different iterations of change over that time. But one thing that I see that is consistent in what you wrote and where 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 your uh, your writing is now is the just um, recognizing that um, the industry needs to stabilize the ship and that don't lose the relationships in the midst of what's going on um, and, and what's, what's hap- happening right now. Talk to me a little bit about that.
0: Well, you know, my, my writing is directed toward the financial services industry. My The blog that I write is sponsored by uh, my firm, Alliance Bernstein. And so the, the whole purpose of that is for for me to address financial advisors, I'm going to use this term again at their point of need that the the growing edge for humans, for each human is a different place, right? So that's true for financial advisors. That's true for everybody, right? That what's our growing edge, Uh, but conditions, life conditions impact us. And so back in April, as we were getting uh, realizing that this thing, this pandemic, and the social isolation, and working from home, and all of the interruptions that we're coping with here in 2020, when I'm talking to you, uh, all of that uh, was shocking and distressing to human beings. And and so my purpose in April was to say, hey, we can see forward. We we know a lot about how humans cope with these kind of disruptions and challenges and setbacks, isolation. And in fact, in some of the writing I did back then, I, was, I quoted a uh, conversation with Jim Collins, uh, who wrote Good to Great and Built to Last, um, a, a great business thinker. Um, he had a conversation with the commanding officer uh, who had, command, uh, of the uh, Hanoi Hilton, the, uh, the American senior officer who helped so many young men survive uh, a, a modern horror story uh, in terms of the, their captivity in North Vietnam. And it very much was about how they controlled their thinking uh, in, in terms of what Collins revealed. And so using some of those metaphors, hey, if you're gonna be entering into a, a challenging time, uh, there's the, the question your brain will naturally ask is, you know, what else could go wrong? Where, where are the dangers? And we, we become very vigilant for the negatives. Uh, and that's just built in, it's self-protection, it, it works. Uh, but we can decide and a lot about a lot of the relational value movement i think is about making decisions you know we can decide that that is not the only question we'll ask we we can decide that, that that scanning the world for the next threat is something we have to do to protect ourselves we can also decide to scan the world and see if there's any reasons for hope or any ways that we can cope better with what's going on and and what was really interesting is that, that the response to those blogs where people started to look around and see were there any reasons for hope? What were we seeing that could give us hope? And I you know I suggested reading books like Hans Rosling's book, Factfulness, to kind of root yourself into the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know at that time we we predicted a, that we would have a five percent contraction in GDP uh, in the United States for twenty twenty. And what's emerged six months later is, you know what? there was more resilience than we thought. It might only be a 3.5% contraction, which is good news. It's, it's not, oh, the, 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 the whole process is over yet, but it's good news, right? So the, the idea was to help humans use their, their uh, brain to decide. And that's, if, if you think about life in general, deciding that I'm going to pay attention and make sure that I know what the dangers are, but also make sure I know what the opportunities are. Some of the biggest steps forward in my life occurred when my plans fell apart for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. And I had to stop and say, okay, I'm going to have to grapple with it again. What direction do I need to go? Stop, make some adjustments, start moving again, pay attention. Right. And, and, and so that habit forces me to think both about the negatives and the positives out there. Now, now six months later, what am I writing about? I'm writing about, all right, now we're in this grind. It's no longer mm-hmm. adapting. Now we're, yeah. we're going to have to stay with it. How do we sustain ourselves? The first act of sustaining ourselves is to understand what's happening to us, where we're at, Yes. to, to take an inventory. And, and do I need to take some time away, which um, after six months of, doing lots of these conversations i will be you know intentionally taking a couple of big chunks of time off here at the end of the year in pre- preparation for the next efforts and stuff so you know paying attention understanding uh, looking for the resources i need and making sure i i continue to align myself and conti- continue to be productive in that time so it's a, a lot of this is about intentionality how do we intentionally operate this system we've been given yeah
1: so, last question: We talked. You talked about what's next, this next iteration of things, and you've been fortunate enough to be on this journey in this, this industry for a while. What's next in the industry? Uh, you know, I think that um, what you're doing in, in some ways needs to be the standard across the board. Um, but what do you think? What's next in the industry, and what's next for well, you?
0: Well, you know, that's that's a great place to end this because that'll leave it open for folks to res- respond. Um, but I, and I think it is. A useful question. The only caveat I would give you is I want to tell you what I think is next. Uh, and I have the good fortune of kind of sitting in this industry but outside of it because I was never a financial advisor. I came to this very much from a, a base in theology and psychology, kind of looking at humans uh, from a different perspective than just financial, which has given me an advantage. But what we're seeing in the industry today, and this is these things are really important, is the stuff that used to be the value of financial services, is now being, was now seeing its value diminishing in terms of what people are willing to pay for it. So, if you go back uh, 30 years, uh, a holistic, you know, kind of high-quality portfolio management uh, approach, diversified strategy investing, and then reporting on the investments and growing your your assets was very highly valued and people were paying one and a half, 2%, two and a half percent for somebody to do that, to really understand what they're trying to accomplish and then deploy their capital into the marketplace and keep them well invested and properly invested for conditions. That value has been slashed. And now you can have a diversified portfolio uh, on the same set of terms from a very legitimate architect of such things for uh, about a 10th of what people used to pay for it. So the client is saying, though I don't know if the the client as an individual is as clearly saying it as the larger scope is, no, I'm not gonna pay for that. But what clients are discovering is that their lives, their, their financial lives are more complicated and the decision making in their financial lives is incredibly complicated and they're migrating toward advisors who are, who are advising on a broader spectrum of issues so from you know investments and portfolios and making you money to let's author a secure well funded life so you can do the things you want to do in the second half of your life which then causes the individual to encounter well what do i want to do in the second half of my life you know the second half of my life can't just be One long vacation that that lasts for about a month and then people start pulling their hair out. So what happens then is that what is valued begins to be where clients gravitate toward and the advisors that clients are uh, wanting to work with. And so what I think is next is having conversations that span a much broader range of issues from investments all the way up. But even in investments, we're starting to see the emergence. And and let let me just give you two examples of this because this all starts to happen at the groundswell and and it evolves kind of slowly at first and then rapidly picks up speed. We have ESG investing or what people call impact impact investing is moving from the, the periphery to the mainstream. Impact investing means building a portfolio that is not only productive and returns to the client an appropriate return but allows them to deploy capital according to their values. You know, how, What impact do I want my investments to make in the world? We can even tailor it to that point. Um, one of the tools that Alliance Bernstein is developing is a tool for navigating the municipal bond marketplace, which is bewilderingly complex. Uh, but it's, an, uh, it's a, a software tool that allows us to sort out the entire world of immediate, in the moment, what municipal bonds are available, and then select bonds for individual clients that fit their tax profile, their goals, their value system, and allow us to uh, select from all of these different uh, municipal bond offerings those investments that are most suitable for this client. Well, this is all about aligning all of the client's life. So from their you know from the way they are using a checking account to their investments to the decisions they make about insurances and guidances and documentations to their actual vision and purpose for their life however far they want to evolve that that what i just described to you will be the practice will be the business model of the the top advisors working with the most successful most conscious human beings. And what will happen is that will move down into the rest of the industry over the next mm, 10, 15 years. It will be revolutionary, but it'll feel evolutionary. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, we're going to leave it right there. I appreciate your time this morning. It has been a uh, very good, enriching, thought provoking. Uh, hopefully we get a chance to talk again sometime. Uh, I want to pick your brain on some other things, but I appreciate your time this morning. Uh, yeah, enjoyed the conversation. Wish,
0: I would enjoy continuing with you on whatever direction you want to go.
1: You've been listening to our conversation with Ken Heyman, the managing director of the Alliance Burdenstein Advisor Institute. If you want to find out more about Ken, go to AllianceBurdenstein.com, look up the Advisor Institute, and you'll find him right there. Thank you for joining us today on Lead Time. My name is Anthony Myers.